Hey everybody, this is Brian. Welcome to another episode of Quality Time with Koalas. Today is episode 004. Today we're going to discuss the police shooting of Micaiah Bryant. And we're going to discuss LeBron James, some of the police officers that have made some news as a result of that, and the controversy out there today. Quality Time with Koalas is a show where we discuss a wide range of topics from news, culture, politics, TV shows, movies, books, religion, away from cancel culture and woke political correctness. We are an open conversation cafe over casual coffee. If what we present here offends you, well, give your balls a tug and let's get on with it. I'm going to start off by asking you a question. What if it was your kid? And you go ahead and ask me, what if it was my kid? I'm going to answer that question. But before I do, we're going to talk about what has been happening, what actually did happen on April 20th, 2021. Okay, now as we get started, let's be clear. As of right now, May 2nd, 2021, this is the most relevant information, the most accurate information that we have as the investigations reveal more information, we might see it a little bit differently. But I'm going to comment on what we know so far. In Columbus, Ohio, on the afternoon of April 20th, 2021, two 911 calls went out talking about a fight that had broke out in a neighborhood, and the police responded. As a result, a 16-year-old girl, Micaiah Bryant, was shot and killed by a police officer. Initially, there was only one body cam video that was released shortly right after that shooting. Now there has been three videos released, three body cam police officer videos, and there's probably other cell phone video that will be compiled in the investigation. But as as we know right now, there are three body cam videos, and we're going to discuss that. The first video is from the police officer that actually shot Makai Bryant shows that an adult man is pushing and kicking a female to the ground continuously as a cop goes to separate it instantaneously in a, in real quick order Micaiah Bryant is seen uh coming up to a woman in full pink outfit and she's wildly swinging a knife to the woman at that moment the police officer shoots her i believe i think it's four times he fires his gun now, the first call was a call by a woman who was begging for the police to show up because there was a fight that was breaking out and people had knives. The second call was that he called for, there was a man who called for police, but then says, wait a second, the cops just got here and then hung up. So those were the two calls. Now, I'm going to delve into this case just a little bit more of what actually happened or what we know so far. But I want to back up just a little bit because within hours of this actually happening, in today's world, as soon as something happens, it gets out immediately and spreads all over the United States and all over the world. LeBron James, an NBA basketball player, and if you don't know who Le- LeBron James is, all right, he is perhaps one of the best, some people may say the best current player in the NBA. He puts out a tweet, 
And in that tweet is a picture of the cop. Now, he was able to get a picture of the white police officer uh, who works in Columbus, Ohio, who, who did the shooting. How he got it, I don't know. But it happened so fast. And he put it up on Twitter. And he tweeted, you're next with the hashtag accountability and an hourglass emoji. Now, the reason that this is, is significant is you have somebody who is incredibly famous. Perhaps he might even be where, uh, a billionaire. This guy is so incredibly wealthy, it's not even funny. And he has incredible talent as an MBA. So as he puts this stuff out there, people immediately notice this. But within hours of that, he takes the tweet down. And if you notice in this crazy world that we live in, that a lot of people like to, it's, it's called shotgunning, is what they like to do is, is they like to just blurb stuff out, especially on Twitter. And then as soon as, there, as there's pushback, then they take the tweet down and somehow apologize. But the damage is already done. And in a person like LeBron James, okay, this is uh, not just nobody. This is a, a famous person, and that there are a lot of people who are sincere fans of him and do listen to him. But LeBron James, I'm going to make a case that LeBron James is incredibly stupid. That's right. I said it. This man, is an, he's an adult man who's not, uh, not really that much younger than me. Uh, is an incredibly gifted person when it comes to athletics, but is not gifted at all at discretion and, first of all, finding out facts and actually thinking about what he's doing before he puts tweets out there. Now, you can make a case you know, for anybody who puts stuff out there is stupid, but LeBron James is a special circumstance because this guy has a long history of making wild claims and actually fanning the flames of these types of cases of police shootings. And this is just another example of it that just happened recently. Then the next day on April 21st, he puts up another tweet that says, and I'm going to quote him, quote, I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about an entire system that always use our words to create more racism. I'm so desperate for more accountability. And he uses accountability in all caps. End quote. Now, I take issue with this, and there's a lot of people, including a lot of police officers, that take issue with this. Because what this is is making excuses for your own bad behavior of putting up there and judging a case that just happened within hours or even minutes of the thing actually transpiring of Micaiah Bryan being shot. This NBA player, this person, LeBron James, puts this out there and then is cowardly to take it down and then says, well, that's not what I meant. Well, that is exactly what you meant because you're a moron, okay? And I'm saying that, and, and, and I'm sorry if that offends certain people, but LeBron James has a long history of these types of statements, and it needs to be called out for what it is. This guy is a complete moron and needs to go back to school and need to be able to understand things and needs to, needs to grab himself and grow up a little bit, okay? And he's not doing it. And it is important to note that if you're, if you're sick of the hate, you're promoting hate 
with the way that you approach each and every one of these shootings that you comment on. The police officers in this country are not your enemy, but it is LeBron James and people like him that uh, in the media and in sports who want to fan the flames of this stuff with the understanding that without police officers, you don't have law and order. Every single police incident has to be judged on its merit. It has to be judged based on its own unique circumstances. Just like in our individual lives, we are all judged, whether you like it or not, by our performance. And the police officers, including the person who shot and killed Micaiah Bryant, is going to be judged, and there isn't going to be an investigation. But on the heels of Derek Chauvin being found guilty of killing George Floyd, this is still fanning the flames of that there is this systemic racism and that cops are out to get black people and everything else. So in this particular case, this is a glaring example of just how incredibly idiotic and irresponsible that another adult has for actually claiming something that is not true, that hasn't been fully investigated yet. Now, it is important to point out that if you want to see the briefing for yourself that's dated on April 21st, the day after the shooting, by the city of Columbus, the chief of police and the mayor of that city came out and had a press conference. And on YouTube, it I watched the video from The Hill, okay, and I think it's a 14-minute video of that briefing. And it shows all three body cam videos that they immediately released and talked about how that there's a procedure for investigation and how they're going to conduct this and conduct it appropriately and so forth. Now, as we move forward, I want to point out a few cases. And I'm picking them out just to try to make a point, but there's so many more of these cases out there. So the first one is in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, in 2019, on July 4th of 2019, a cop shoots a man uh, coming towards a cop with a butcher knife, and the body cam shows that. There is also, in September 12th of 2020, a gunman tries to assassinate two cops uh, in a police car, and that was in Los Angeles. And then February uh, 2021, uh, February 18th, the, the police uh, shoot a man with a knife coming towards them on the waterfront of Seattle. On February uh, 9th, which is a few days earlier of this year, police shoot and kill a suspect who randomly shot two women in a parking lot, and one woman in, in the car died. And the, and then people in the city began to protest that particular uh, shooting of the cop. But yet, they're not being sympathetic of the women who were actually shot by a stranger. In March of 2021, in Chicago, Anthony Alvarez was shot uh, running away from police with a gun on foot chase. So the reason that I'm telling you these, and that is, being a police officer is incredibly dangerous. All right, And they've got to deal with all kinds of crazy things. And there are countless cases over and over every single year who police officers are shot or shot at or attacked and so forth. Now, I want to bring to you an article called The Truth About Police Shootings in America from the MacGyver Institute, dated April 14, 2021. And the author is Daniel O'Donnell. 
Now, the article is written by Dan O'Donnell, and it says here it delves deep into the data and perhaps uh, the most comprehensive analysis yet of officer-involved shootings in the United States. O'Donnell starts off with a quote. It says here, quote, Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Mich- uh, Michigan Congressman Rashida Tlaib tweeted Monday in a predictably hysterical response to a deadly officer-involved shooting in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. On Sunday, while arresting a 20-year-old Dante Wright for an outstanding warrant, Officer Kim Potter filed, fired a single shot at Wright as he wrestled with fellow officers and tried to drive away. Taser, taser, taser on body camera video of the incident. Okay, now, before I go on, I just want to point out that in that case, uh, th- that particular suspect was uh, killed as a result of an accidental discharge uh, or at least we think it's an accidental just discharge where the officer Potter, the female officer, thought that what she was firing was a taser and not her handgun. I don't know if it's a complete lack of training or if it's you know, whatever the case is, but it's reported that the woman has 26 years on the job. And so we don't know the full uh, investigation of that yet. But that has raised all different kinds uh, of statements that, you know, racism is the cause of that. You have more statements from a pundit on MSNBC, Jason Johnson, who says, quote, We need to abolish American policing as it currently exists, end quote. Then you have Ocasio, uh, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, quote, Dante Wright's killing was not a random, disconnected accident, end quote. Uh, then she picks up the quote again. It, it was the repeated outcome of indefensible system that grants impunity for state violence. So what we have here, folks, is the, that you have politicians and you have all different kinds of celebrities and different pundits on the news who give all kinds of crazy things that they want to fan the flames as soon as an incident actually happens. So without a, without a proper investigation to figure out what happened, why it happened, and then come up with a plan to try to fix these things, they just immediately go for the jugular and say everything is racism, that it's a war against black people and everything else. And that really couldn't be further from the truth in today's times. Now, the newspaper, the Washington Post, which is a very liberal newspaper, has been for decades and continues to be extreme left in its reporting. What's interesting is they created a database of every known deadly police shooting in America since 2015. What they found is, as as of uh, the writing of this article by McGarvey Institute, that 6,211 people have been shot and killed by law enforcement officers. 46% of them, 2,883 to be exact, were white, while 24% were black. Just 6% of those people were unarmed. Then it says, Of the most pernicious myths about police shootings is that officers shoot unarmed black men at an alarming rate, when in fact just 2% of the people who were killed by an officer were unarmed and black. Since the beginning of 2015, law enforcement officers across the country have actually killed 33 more unarmed white people than unarmed black people. Now, there's links to FBI crime uh, statistics, etc. in this article. 
It also says here, the unfortunate reality is that just as blacks are statistically far more likely to be victims of homicide or other violent crimes, they are also statistically more likely to commit violent crimes that would bring them into conflict with law enforcement officer with his or her gun drawn. This, not racism, is the reason for the disparity in police shootings. How else could one explain this statistical anomaly? Since 2015, law enforcement officers have shot and killed 168 unarmed white people, 135 unarmed black people, and just 74 unarmed Hispanic people. Are the police officers less racist against Hispanics than they are against blacks? Or is it or is it that while Hispanics account for 17% of the total US population, they represent 21% of the murderers of the murder arrest and 25% of the total violent crime arrest statistics that are more in line with the representation in general population. Now, as with any publication trying to point out the truth about this stuff, you can find this information for yourself. Where I'm getting this is from the MacGyverInstitute.com written by Dan O'Donnell uh, for this particular article. And there's links in the article that can take you to where he's getting all this information. The thing that is important is that there's a lot of people that just don't care. They don't care about the actual statistics. They just feel that this is what's going on, so therefore it must be racism. And you have people acting irresponsibly, like LeBron James, who are stating that that they're just killing black people and they're hunting them down and do all this other stuff. That is absolutely not true. You go back and look at this stuff, and it there's so much of it that is actually online for you to actually watch. You can Google, you can YouTube, you can look at this. The body, the the the, the body camera footage of a lot of these instances. And if you're going to point out that George Floyd and and Derek Chauvin and everything, okay, I get that. That there are cases where the cops are blatantly wrong, but so many of these cases that the cops are doing exactly the right thing. But when it comes to the right thing, that there are people, there's a growing number of people that believe the right thing is that we need to defund the police, we need to abolish the police. And even though I I don't think that this is a majority of the people in this country, I think it's a very small minority, but the small minority are actually the ones that are getting the attention. And if left unchecked, this actually starts to become the norm. And this is why I'm speaking up about this. Let's get back to LeBron James here. LeBron James has hired for several years. He has hired off-duty Los Angeles police officers to provide security at his mansion. And I'm not against him having a mansion. You make that money, hey, whatever, have or whatever you want. But he is a hypocrite. He is a massive hypocrite for saying that the the police officers are bad, but then turn around and hires them off-duty to protect his own home. Now, there is a black police officer in Los Angeles named Dion Joseph. He writes a letter to LeBron James, and it's posted online, and it says, Dear LeBron, I'm not going to come at you from a place of hatred. There will be no name-calling. I was raised to see the whole of a human being not to hyper-focus on their flaws or make said flaws the whole of who they are. I am an honest man. What you do for children and other acts of charity 
shows a huge heart. You show to be a family man, and that's to be respected. You play for the team my family has cheered for since the 1960s, then myself since 1979. But your current stance on policing is so off-base and extreme. Your tweet that targeted a police officer in Ohio who saved a young woman's life was irresponsible and disturbing. It showed a complete lack of understanding of the challenge of our job and the heat of a moment. You basically put a target on the back of a human being who had to make a split-second decision to save the life from a deadly attack. A decision I know he and many others wish they never had to make, especially when it involves someone so young. Instead of apologizing, you deflected. You said you took your tweet down because you did not want it to be used for hate, when the tweet itself was the embodiment of hatred, rooted in a lack of understanding of the danger of the situation. I don't know if this will ever reach you, but my hope is that one day I can sit down with you and talk. As a man of faith, I have, I have no hatred toward you, but I do feel I can help you understand the reality of the profession of policing and that there is another side you need to hear. You are tired of um, the black folks dying? So am I. You hate racism and police brutality? So do I. But you can't paint 800,000 men and women who are of all races, faiths, sexual orientations, and are also mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, preachers, coaches, community members, and just human with such a broad and destructive brush. Unlike some who have dug their heels in the belief that police are inherently evil, I think if you yourself actually sat down and had a real honest and open conversation with a cop, there is a strong chance you may discover we are not the monsters you have come to believe we are, who deserve the hate and disdain you have. And even if you come away feeling the same way, I could respect it, because at least you gave the other side your ear instead of only hearing one narrative. The offer is on the table, LeBron. No cameras, no fanfare, just two men talking. I know it's a long shot, but this division and hatred must stop. It's clear based on rising crime and marginalized communities that cops and the community need to build bridges to save lives on all sides. That cannot be done through the demonization of any group of people. Just putting it out, out there in the universe, brother. Even if not me, please take the time to talk to a police officer instead of judging them. No shade. Thanks for the positive things you do. And that's the end of the letter. Okay, now I want to jump to a little bit more statistics here. Statistical Research Department from Statistica.com published March 31st, this year, 2021, says that as of March 28th, police in the United States had shot 10 unarmed people to death in 2021. The most common weapon for a victim of a fatal police shooting to be is carrying a gun. In 2021, 129 people carrying a gun were shot and killed by the U.S. police. Now, because of the Micaiah Bryant, I want to point out um, some years and just compare gun versus knife. So in 2017, there was 579 
uh, deaths by police uh, for people using a gun versus 156. In 2018, there was 549 shootings that where the person had a gun, and there was 177. 2019, there was 589 with a gun and 171 with a knife. In 2020, there were 643 with a gun and 171 also with a knife. And so far to date, in 2021, there was 129 with a gun and 35 with a knife. So I point out because there are people who are exploiting these types of things and saying that cops are just radically just killing people like crazy. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Every time there's a police shooting, every time that there there's an incident, this stuff is recorded, and it's very easy in today's times to look this up for yourself and to figure out what's really going on. Okay, I want to jump to a police officer in Idaho by the name of Nate Sylvester. Created a TikTok video. It's also on YouTube. You may have seen it. Um, and he is mocking LeBron James in this TikTok video. And in that, he's in uniform in his car, and he created this this video of where he calls nine one one, and he says that he sees a knifing going on, and he wants to get LeBron on the on the phone to find out whether or not he can respond to it. Now, it's a funny video, but at the same time, apparently there were people that were uh, shocked by it and complained to the local police department there, where where he's employed. Now, according to the Blaze News, dated April 30th, 2021, uh, journalist Sarah Taylor writes that the response from his department says here, quote, the Bellevue Marshal's office is aware of the extreme controversy regarding Deputy Marshal Sylvester's viral TikTok and says the, the statement read, quote, the statements made do not represent the Bellevue Marshal's office. The Bellevue Marshal's office always demands that our deputies engage with our citizens in a friendly and professional manner. This is not how we expect our deputies to act on duty or use city time. This is a personal issue that is being dealt with internally. It says, in this video, Sylvester said that he was on break when he filmed the video and did not use city uh, city time to mock the NBA star. Following his suspension, Sylvester's best friend launched a, gun, a GoFundMe page to raise money for any related loss of income that may have stemmed from the suspension. At the time of this reporting, the page has received more than $200,000 in donation. There's a video attached to the article that says that in the video, Sylvester said that he plans to use the money to push back against anti-police narrative in much of the, in much of the media. He did not specify how he would make such an effort. Well, let me tell you, folks, the mocking of LeBron James, whether or not it was appropriate, whether he was doing on duty or not, or, you know, if you can split hairs on, you know, whether he was on a break or not, you know, Greg Anderson, who was a former uh, Port of Seattle police officer who got fired, uh, made comments back in the early part of uh, 2020 having to do with all the craziness that was going on. Now, the fact of the matter is, when these police officers speak up, in my opinion, this is my opinion based upon the analysis and thinking about this, and that is, 
what these police officers are doing is they're fed up with the the narrative that is being told the public that they're horrible people and that we must accept everything that people like LeBron James and these idiot politicians are saying out there talking about defunding the police. So I actually have to back up the police in, in this and to say, whether we're talking about Nate Silver or Greg Anderson or any of these other cops that, that make these types of videos, you know what? Good for them, all right? Because they have every right, in my opinion, to be able to say, you know what? We're doing one hell of a tough job just to keep the public safe. And it is a incredibly hard task to do. And you want to demonize us left and right all the time? Yeah, it's no wonder why these police officers are, are, are making these kinds of videos because they're tired of getting painted as the villains instead of the actual villains committing the crime. Now, at this point, I asked a question in the beginning, what if it was your kid? And then I said, it's okay to ask me, what if it was my kid? So I'm still going to answer that. But I want to point out one more thing of just how incredibly terrible this world has turned against the police culturally. Recently, there was a terrible, terrible case that happened in New York City where there was a traffic accident on one of the freeways. And the fire department showed up and the Newark police department showed up. And one officer in particular was was trying to block traffic, trying to... Uh, set up barricades and everything else so that they could process an accident scene that had happened. Well, there happened to be a person who was driving erratically, approaching the scene at a high rate of speed. This particular person uh, decided to break through the, the barriers, disobey the police officer's commands, and actually run over and kill a New York City police officer. When they were able to track this woman down, her car was so smashed up, they found out that she was so drunk that she blew a .15 on the breathalyzer. She was so incredibly drunk and out of it, and she it kept yelling and screaming, why, why, why are you after me? And she had no understanding, or she just had no complete, or she had a complete disregard of the fact that she, she just killed somebody. She just killed a police officer. Well, what's interesting about this, and it's disgusting, and I know some of you have actually sent me private messages already saying, no way should you even you know, give this person airtime. But the fact of the matter is that this particular person, her name is Jessica Beavis, and she goes uh, by a pseudonym uh, name on, on her podcast. And in her podcast, she's sitting there talking about Fuck the police, the police this, the police that, you know, you shouldn't, you know, obey them and all this other stuff. And then right after that, okay, right after that, either the, that evening or the next day, she gets drunk and she's drinking and driving and she kills a police officer. So it is important to understand that culturally in this country, that there are a tremendous amount of people that that that, that do support the police, but there is an evil and a sickness that is going on where people are absolutely in full belief system that the police are evil and therefore, yeah, screw them. Yeah, we don't care. And they say it publicly and they don't care that they actually kill a cop. All right. Never mind the fact that this guy was a husband, was a father, he was a son, 
and he had a life too, all right? He was a native New Yorker, and he's doing his job. He's trying to protect the scene of a car accident, and then she creates a, another car accident, ends up killing somebody because of her incredible lack of, of humanity within herself to control herself and, and to understand that the world is bigger than your selfish, idiotic, brain-dead, stupidity killing spree, which is effectively what she did. Okay, at this point, let's go back to the shooting that happened on April 20th, 2021. Micaiah Bryant, 16-year-old girl, gets shot and killed. So, there is the body cam videos that are showing that. There's an investigation going on, all of which you can delve into yourself. It's also been reported that this girl had been in foster care for three years. And we don't know the full extent of that, and we may not, uh, because, you know, she was a minor. And I will tell you that I've got questions uh, just because of some of the life experiences that I've had in dealing with uh, Oregon's DHS, Child uh, Protective Services. Uh, I would like to know, um, and I probably won't get to know, but I, I just naturally, because of my experiences, want to know how did she end up in foster care? Uh, where was her mother in her care? What was going on with her father? And in the video, I don't know if the man who pushed one of the woman, uh, one of the females down, whether or not um, that was her father or not. But uh, he was yelling in the video uh, after he pushed and kicked a woman down. The police officer shot um, the 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant. That he was screaming at the cop, saying, "You, you know, you shot a kid. You shot a girl. You know, and so forth." And I, and I don't know if that person was the actual father or whether it was the foster care uh, uh, male guardian, I don't know. Um, but it's it would be interesting to to know later on down the road, you know, what happened in this girl's life that led her into foster care. So that doesn't excuse uh, what had happened uh, to her, um, but I do think it's interesting background that she was already in the foster care system at that point. Now, as it goes to the question, um, what if it was your kid? What if it was my kid? Would I want that cop to shoot? Look, I'd, I would be phony if I would say anything other than, no, I don't want the cop to kill my kid. And I would feel the exact same way. But there is a difference between my feelings and facts on the ground. And I will have to say that I'm curious to know, I'm just naturally curious to know, what would possess her? How did she, How did Micaiah ever think that it would be okay to pick up a knife and to stab people with? And, that's, and just before that, someone had called and said, hey, there's a fight going on that, you know, somebody's got a knife or there's knives involved. So what goes into a 16-year-old's head thinking that you're going to solve your problems with a knife? Now, we've all been young before, and we've all done stupid things, and Lord knows I've done stupid things, and I've had to deal with the police myself. The one thing I've learned, regardless of my feelings and how sometimes even I have to check my feelings when I think that the cops are wrong, 
The cops are there to serve a purpose. They're there to protect and serve, to enforce the law. So what if it was your kid that that cop shot in in that exact same situation? What if it was my kid in that exact same situation? I got to honestly tell you that I've had, I had to give it a few days before I, before I did this podcast, because as a father, okay, and I have a, I have a 12 year old daughter as a, as a father, I would be angry. I would be hurt. I would be devastated if a cop killed my kid. But I also, as a 50-year-old man, I've got to be able to step back and I've got to be able to look at the facts of the case. And I've got to be able to look at the facts of what the police are supposed to be doing. And as we know right now, just like I said in the beginning, you know, more information will come out. But, but after a week, a week and a half, this is the information that we have. And it's a lot. And it's a lot of factual information notwithstanding the stupidity of LeBron James. But I got to tell you, folks, I have to be completely honest with you to say, if I failed as a parent to teach my kid that when you got an issue with another person, even as a 16-year-old, if you feel like you, that, that you have, that if I fail as a parent to get across to my kid, you don't settle your differences with a knife fight, Okay. And I would also tell my kid that as a, uh, several years ago, as an EMT, and I was uh, headed towards a paramedic school myself, and I was working on a particular shift, and I responded to a stabbing. So I was with uh, uh, Salem Fire Department at the time, and um, the call came in for a, a stabbing. and. We showed up in an apartment complex and was a Hispanic male in his mid-20s. And my job, per the paramedic there in the scene and the, and the captain on the scene, and I was to take wads of gauze, stick them on my fingers, and I was to stick my fingers in the stab, in, in, in the stab wounds as they tried to, to uh, stabilize the patient and get him ready for transport. That was my job. So with gloves on, I, you know, took the gauze and... You know, my job was to shove my fingers in the stab in the stab uh, wounds, and I there was four wounds that I could stick fingers in, along the, his sides, his abdomen, and his back. And you talk about you know I'd never been exposed to that type of thing before, and it was interesting because he was he I don't know if he was bleeding out, but he was bleeding profusely, and he had several other stab wounds. So likely that this uh, was a was a gang related stabbing, but this is serious business. So I have seen it firsthand, and um, that's just one case right there. Um, I've seen other calls that are that are incredibly gr- gruesome. But as it relates to stabbing and using a knife, yeah, I was there as an EMT uh, to render aid, and that was my specific role in that specific instance on that call. So. Would, if it was my kid, how would I feel about it? I'd feel horrible. I'd absolutely hate it that the cop would kill my kid. I also know that, that if I fail as a parent to teach my kid that you don't use a, a weapon 
because that's what a knife is. It's a weapon. All right. Then what, what does it make me if I fail to teach my kid that? So I would ask that of Micaiah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go up to ask uh, the parents, but that would be a natural uh, thing that I'd be curious about. What, as a parent, as a mother, as, as a father, what implores you to teach your kid or not be there to teach your kid that you don't allow your kid, whether it's in foster care or not, to pick up a deadly weapon to settle your differences? Because when the cops show up, they're not playing around. It's not their job. It's not their job to, to talk you down from trying to stab somebody in a matter of like five seconds. It's their job to put a stop to the threat. So to answer the question, if it was my daughter in that exact same situation, as much as I hate it and I can't stand it, I also understand that the cop had a job to do to end the threat. And if that meant that my daughter was shot and killed, as hard as that is, and it's incredibly difficult to contemplate, I also understand that the cop did the job. And I'd have to carry, for the rest of my life, I'd be wondering whether or not I did everything I could as a parent. And that's something that I hope I never have to experience. But I want to leave you guys with this. The takeaway is this. Love your kids. Teach your kids. Regardless of your skin color. Teach them to settle their differences without the use of a deadly weapon. It, if, you know, it's still against the law to fist fight. But a fist fight in most cases, isn't going to get you killed. Uh, it, it's just not. So if you have to you know, physically fight, you know, you got to duke it out, you got to duke it out. But grabbing a deadly weapon changes everything. And there's no winners. Everybody loses for the rest of their life, whether they actually live another day or whether they don't. The survivors of the family they lose. Everybody loses. So folks, the big takeaway, what I would hope, is, is that you teach your kids to respect the law, to respect the police officers, and that when you got issues with other people, you don't go and attack other people with deadly weapons because it will end badly every single time. With that, I love you, and I will catch you next time.